All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you here. Sorry we're getting a few minutes late here. I got busy talking and lost track of time. That ever happened to y'all? Anybody ever have that problem? Never have that problem, do we? We're going to be in Genesis chapter number 49 and 50. Actually, we'll go on to 50 today. And I'm going to just say a few words about 49. We're going to spend a lot of time in that chapter this morning, and then we'll move primarily into chapter 50 today. Uh, and before we do, let's take uh, prayer requests. And um, so let's uh, remember, if you will, the Hurchin family. I know uh, this past uh, weekend, Brother Harold went home to be with the Lord, I think it was yesterday morning, and uh, uh, first Sunday in heaven. So we rejoice in that, but certainly the family is grieving, and we want to uh, pray for them and uh, for God to give some comfort there. Uh, also went up to see Brother Everett this week, and he's doing much better than he was. Uh, but still has a long way to go. He's going to be in the hospital in acute therapy until the 17th, I think, of this month, he said. Uh, but had a good visit with him the other day. And uh, But continue to pray for him. Continue to pray for Bob Schwabert. Uh, also June Bolin, uh, who is still um, having to go through her treatments and her blood counts and everything needing to be what they need to be. So pray for that. And uh, then... Uh, Let's see, we'll go ahead and take other prayer requests real quick. I, there are probably some others, and I don't have them in my mind right now. So uh, any other requests? Yes, ma'am. Um, okay, yes. Okay. Oh. Okay, all right. So continue to pray for Fran. And um, also uh, Miss uh, Kimmy, uh, who's still recovering from some implants but doing better back there, and her teeth are feeling better, slightly better than they were the other day at least, So, but a little ways to go yet on those, so yes sir, Brother Dan, okay, continue to pray for Brother Caleb, yes, and have they, they have now moved him, haven't they, to a, a rehab, is that correct, or am I, okay, okay, yeah, I think I saw that one the other day, so continue to pray for Caleb, long way to go, long way to go, but Praise the Lord, he's far, a lot further along than uh, they initially thought he would be. So, something to be thankful for, but also continue to pray for. So, yes, yes, uh, Petty Bones, Brother Tom, or yes, ma'am, either one, whichever one of you. I saw one of you. I'm sorry? Okay, unspoken request. All right. Any other unspoken requests today? Seven, eight, okay. Eight unspoken requests. And Miss Linda, how's Brother Ron doing? Is he okay? Okay. Okay. Right. All right, so continue to pray for him and also your sister, your half-sister. Okay, all right. So pray for that. Brother Kenny? Okay. Okay, and his name is Tony? Carter, okay. Tony Carter. All right. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Miss Kim? I didn't catch all that. Cameron? 
to New York. Okay, so traveling. Okay, pray for Cameron. Pray for my hearing. <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten really bad. I uh, uh, had one of those uh, headsets on a while back uh, that only has the one ear side of it, and it had a as answering phone calls and talking to people on the phone. And I, I had to step away from my desk for a minute. I laid it down and uh, walked away. When I came back, the phone was ringing. I just grabbed it real quick and threw it on. I had to put it on this ear, and it about blasted my eardrum out. I was like, man, somebody's playing a joke on me. They've turned my volume up. And uh, so I, I was asking around the office, you know, who, who did this, you know, and they were, no, I didn't touch it. So I, I readjusted it, and I laid it back down, walked away, and then I came back, put it back on where I normally do, my right ear, and uh, went to call somebody, and I couldn't hardly hear them. I mean, it was like I, could, I had to turn it way up again. So that was the way I learned that I can't hardly hear out of this ear, apparently. So if you notice, a lot of times when you're talking, I'll be like turning this way, trying to catch it. Um, but so, yeah, uh, pray for that hearing. It doesn't get worse. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. It's been a good week this week. We thank the Lord for just a great week, and uh, I don't know about y'all, I love uh, 4th of July, I love patriotic events throughout the year, I, my heart gets stirred up about the country we live in, I love our country, and um, I uh, uh, have just always been very patriotic, ever since I was a little kid, and uh, I remember our church did a huge thing on our bicentennial year in, in 1976, and uh, I was telling my daughter, they did a big cantata that year, and my mom was in it, and so uh, she drugged me to all the practices, and uh, I can still remember the cantata. I could sing it probably in its entirety and quote the narrations from it <laughs> when I was six years old. And uh, But I've always just had a, a love for our country. And uh, I thank the Lord for so many people that gave their lives so we could enjoy this uh, freedom. I don't think we ought to ever take that for granted. And so many that are still continuing to serve to defend our freedoms and we certainly need to be praying for our country. We're in some days that could uh, very easily change the whole direction of our country and its, um, its founding principles. And so pray for our country. Pray for our leaders that God will uh, work in their hearts. And, um, and pray for our churches in America. Um, I don't believe that the answers to... America's problems are seated in Washington, D.C. I think there are spiritual issues and spiritual problems that need to be dealt with in our churches. And uh, so pray for God to send revival again to our country. And um, He can still do it. He can still do it. Uh, we just need to be praying for it. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, then we'll get into our lesson this morning. Father, we're so thankful for the time that you've given us together to meet, and Lord, what a wonderful week we've had this week as we have taken time to not only just celebrate uh, with family and friends, but Lord, even to give you uh, our gratitude and to thank you for allowing us to have such religious liberty as we enjoy in this country, to be able to, without fear of being arrested, uh, carry our Bibles preach the Word of God, to be able to come together and meet together and assemble together to read its pages, to pray together, and to be able to live our lives as the Holy Spirit uh, works in our consciences and as Your Word directs us and guides us. 
And we can live by our conscience. And I pray that you would allow us many more years of this wonderful, great liberty that we enjoy. May you direct our country and, Lord, heal it from the, the wounds that it has had in recent years. And I pray that you would guide and direct our leaders and our churches, our pastors, those that uh, are members of those churches, that, uh, Lord, we would uh, once again come back to you and have a heart for you and that we would be awakened once again. We do pray that you would bless uh, the requests that have been mentioned this morning, Lord, a number of them that uh, need uh, specific prayer. And I pray that you would touch the bodies of those that need healing. We think of Caleb uh, Owen this morning, and uh, Lord, a long way to go yet. But Lord, we are grateful this morning for how far you've brought him and the things that you've allowed to uh, see improvement in, in, his, in his body and in his uh, condition. We do pray that you would give grace to the families and, Lord, especially for the family of Sarah and uh, her home going and uh, that you would bring comfort in these days following the funeral and the time that they've had together. I pray that you would uh, give great comfort and great grace. And then, Lord, we think of Brother Everett today up in the hospital and, Lord, that you would encourage his heart and strengthen him. And, uh, Father, for Brother Bob Schwabert and uh, June Bolin, uh, these that we've been praying for for quite a while. We think of uh, the friend of uh, Brother Kenny's, Tony, that uh, is the autoimmune uh, problems and the body that uh, has the lung transplant, that you would strengthen him and, Lord, that you would direct in that uh, aspect of his life and give grace. And, Lord, we ask that you would be honored and glorified through the trial and the tribulation that you brought there. And we think of um, Miss Kimmy and uh, her teeth and that you'd bless uh, the recovery efforts and that uh, the pain would be eased. We pray for Cameron and, and traveling mercies for him this morning and uh, throughout this week. We think of Ron and uh, the sister of, uh, uh, brother and sister of uh, uh, Linda and Richard and Lord that you would uh, touch their bodies and uh, bring healing if, if we could ask that of you. And, Lord, we most of all want you to be glorified through it. But we ask that you would uh, touch their bodies, give strength and healing and um, grace during this time. And then, Father, as we go through this day here at the church, I pray that you would give guidance and direction. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts and our lives. We long for you to do something, not just to come and do our duty by coming to church for an hour or two on Sunday, but, Father, that while we're here, our hearts would be able to be in tune with yours, that we would walk with you, that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct and speak to our hearts and show us the errors of our ways, that it would instruct us in righteousness. Lord, we ask that you would allow your word to go forth in power, that we would uh, purpose in our hearts to follow it wholeheartedly and that we would learn the things that you would want us to learn from it today. May you be honored and glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Genesis chapter number 49, <clears throat> Jacob is going to assemble his sons. We're not going to take a lot of time on this chapter. You can take some additional time later on perhaps to go back and study it a little bit further. But um, Jacob calls his sons together. He knows that his time is short and uh, he goes through and he begins to talk to them and he tells Reuben, um, you know, he's been, he's proud of him, he's been a strong son, but uh, he says, you know, there's been some things in your past that 
uh, you're going to be subservient to your brothers. He said, you're not going to get the blessing, you're not going to get the birthright. And Reuben was the firstborn. He was supposed to be the one to get all of those things. Uh, he goes through and talks to each of the boys individually and uh, gives kind of a word about uh, the things that are going to happen, kind of giving them uh, what they can expect throughout their lives. Um, in uh, verse number 5, he talks about Simon, uh, Simeon and Levi um, that were instruments of cruelty, uh, that they're not going to really have a, a big part um, in uh, some of the things that were getting ready to come, that they dig down a wall and they'd killed somebody. In verse number 8, he talks about Judah and um, uh, goes on to talk to each of the, uh, the boys all the way down. And then I want you to notice as we get down to uh, verse number 22 of chapter 49, he deals primarily with, uh, with Joseph. And he says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow, uh, his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And so we find that Jacob is speaking here of God's hand of blessing being on Joseph, and he, he talks about this um, uh, idea of the hands of uh, the strong hands of God. Even verse number 25, by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above the blessings of the deep that lieth under the blessings of the breast and of the womb. And the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren." And so we find that he gives the large portion of blessing uh, to the line of Joseph. And we saw last week uh, how that Jacob gave the blessing um, to Manasseh and Ephraim and how he put his right hand on Ephraim's head, indicating that Ephraim was to be uh, the one that, uh, that would be in the lineage uh, of the line of Christ at, at some point and was the one to be uh, blessed uh, above uh, his elder brother Manasseh. And so a lot of this... Uh, is given in chapter number 49 by way of uh, kind of bringing to a close or to the end of the, uh, the story, so to speak, or uh, I guess Paul Harvey would call it the rest of the story, uh, from the time when Joseph was 17 and he had the dreams and God showed him. He said, these are things that are going to happen. And we get to chapter 49 and we kind of see the conclusion of the matter. We've seen God now, even though the middle part of Joseph's life was marked by things that were unexpected and were certainly not uh, from a human perspective in keeping with what God had promised him through his dreams, we find that God was faithful, wasn't he? He had brought Joseph all the way through and had done all the things that he had said he was going to do. And as we get to chapter 49 and Jacob kind of uh, puts his hand on Joseph and says, you're the one, you're the one that's going to get all the blessings, you're the one that's going to uh, have your brothers bow to you, you know, they're, they're going to be subjected to you. Um, we see kind of the, the, the conclusion of the matter, if you will. That brings us to chapter number 50. And again, if you've got time, you can uh, study a little further in chapter 49. But I wanted to get into this today, if we could. And uh, Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. So the end of chapter 49, Jacob passes away. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel 
And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so fulfilled the days of those that are embalmed, uh, which are embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned for him three score and ten days. Now understand, the Egyptians uh, had a practice of not burying in the ground uh, their, their folks, but they would entomb them. They would put them in a tomb, and they would embalm the bodies. That's where we get a lot of the mummifications and things like that. The Egyptians were good about that. So they had done this to Jacob, and they mummified his body or, or embalmed his body. Uh, but Jacob had asked Joseph specifically, I want you to bury me in the valley of Ephrath, in the place where Sarah and Abraham and Isaac and uh, Rebekah were um, buried. And he said, "Those are the I want to be buried with my fathers and in the valley of Ephrath, which is uh, the area of the old Bethlehem where the Lord Jesus Christ was born. As we get to Christmas time, we talk about that. And uh, the idea of the Tower of the Flock, and that's the valley that we're speaking of, this Valley of Ephrath. Uh, and so uh, Jacob wants to be buried there. So he's embalmed. He's uh, mourned for uh, 70 days here, according to verse number uh, 3. And verse number 4, And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, uh, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan, there shall uh, thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father, according as he made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, and the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the house of Joseph. And so there's a, there's, this man is being buried with great honor. Uh, understand, this is a big procession, a big funeral procession. All of the, uh, the, uh, the uppity-ups, all the, the men of affluence and influence in the uh, country of Egypt were going up with him. Verse number 8, And the house of Joseph and his brethren, and all the house of Joseph and his brethren, and his father's house, only their little ones and their flock and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up uh, with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. They came to the threshing floor of uh, Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, "This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians." Wherefore the name of it was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did unto him according as he commanded uh, them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan, buried him in the cave in the field of uh, Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for possession of a bearing place in Ephron, uh, of Ephron the Hittite, before Mamre. And Joseph returned unto Egypt, into Egypt, he and his brethren, all that went up with him to bury the father, after he had buried his father. So we find a great... Uh, honor being given to Jacob, uh, and I believe that this was done. If Again, some people may disagree with me on this. But I believe Pharaoh's great favor uh, on Jacob was for Joseph's sake. And I've made this comment so many times before that our actions, our decisions, never affect just us. And jo Joseph, who had found himself in some of the worst conditions, but yet uh, behaved himself with uh, respect and with character, and always wanting to do what was right before the Lord. And God honored that and allowed uh, Joseph, uh, Jacob to be honored because of Joseph's sake. In verse number 15, this is where we want to look uh, primarily today in our lesson. 
And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us of all the evil that we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when he spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? For, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived a hundred and ten years old. I want to look at this morning at this idea of forgiveness. And we're going to study some things from Joseph's life here regarding forgiveness. Understand, and I, I think I would be in the same situation, wouldn't you? If you were one of Joseph's brothers, if you had done to him what they had done to him, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they, they kind of expected that some of Joseph's treatment of them was because their dad was yet alive, and now that dad's gone, oh boy, uh, here we go. Joseph is really going to get me back. And by the way, uh, we kind of live in that kind of a world today, don't we? Uh, it's always been the nature of man, but even more so, I think, in the last few years of my life, we have seen people that have become so vengeful. Uh, when somebody does something wrong or mistreats uh, us, we, we have the tendency of uh, not getting even but getting ahead. I'm, I'm going mean, to make them pay for what they did to me. And that tends to be the mindset, isn't it, of the world. And uh, as, as I was studying for this, I came across... I don't normally uh, tell stories like this in the pulpit, but it was it was something that I think will help us to remember the the principle of forgiveness a little bit better. So I'm going to share it with you. But a fella had walked into a, or three three pretty big fellas had walked into a diner, and um, they saw a fella sitting up there at the counter, and they wanted to mess with him. These guys were were big and bulky and kind of bullyish, and they went up and they started picking on this guy and trying to pick a fight with him and. Um, and he wouldn't, you know, he just didn't respond. He sat there eating his, his stuff. And so finally he got done. They went over and sat down. He got done eating. He paid his bill and left. And when the waitress came over to take their order, uh, they said, boy, that wasn't much of a man, was it? And the waitress looked out the window and said, no, and he must not be much of a driver either. His truck is running over three motorcycles out there. <laughs> not quite what we think about when we think about forgiveness. He was going to get them back, wasn't he? And we, you know, we laugh at that because it's a cute story, but I don't want us to miss the point for the illustration. The truth is our tendency is to do that, isn't it? That, that's the human nature. That's the old nature. And yet God has taught us that we need, to, we need to forgive. And here we find a beautiful picture of forgiveness in Joseph's life. I want you to uh, notice that the difficulty in our lives many times to forgive increases, sometimes even exponentially. The difficulty to forgive increases as the hurt is increased. In other words, the, the greater I have been done wrong, the harder it is for me to forgive. The more that we feel like we've been wronged, the greater that we feel that we've been wronged, the harder it is for us to forgive. Let me give you a for instance. Uh, if you forget an appointment, somebody's you know counting on you to do something on a particular time, you forget an appointment, you feel bad about that, and somebody may be upset about that, but usually you can say, you know what, I'm sorry, 
let's reschedule this, let's get it going again, okay, I'll forgive you and we'll move on, let's just go on, and we forget about it. You know, three weeks later, a month later, a year later, we don't even think about it. But you have somebody that uh, comes at you and maybe does something to harm your family. A lot harder to forgive that, isn't it? It's probably not something that we forget quickly. Uh, wounds are running very deep when something like that happens. And so I want us to understand that the, the worse the offense is, the harder it is for us to forgive. And yet, the same obligation to forgive, no matter how bad the offense is, holds true throughout Scripture. We are to forgive the way that Christ forgave. I want you to take your Bibles and look with me at a few passages of Scripture this morning. First of all, let's turn to Ephesians chapter number 4. I love this passage. I uh, used to make our teenagers <coughs> sing this verse whenever they were being unkind to each other. And, uh, uh, but I love it. I think it's a great verse. In fact, every once in a while, my kids, my own kids will say something cruel to one or the other. And uh, I'll say, okay, let's sing our song. And we'll have to take off singing uh, Ephesians 4.32. But uh, the Bible says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, and notice this, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You ever read Scripture and you wish God had ended the verse a little bit earlier than He did? This is one of those verses. Because had He left off, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, we could be content in our forgiveness if we only partially forgave. Well, I've done some forgiving. I, I've forgiven. I heard one fellow say this one time. He was, he was so offended by somebody. He was talking to me about it. And we were talking about uh, forgiveness. And he said, well, uh, Pastor, he said, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Can I tell you this? That's not true forgiveness. It really isn't. What he's saying by that is, I'll forgive them outwardly, but on the inside, I'm still seething over this. This is something that's, that's going to root and cause bitterness in my heart towards them for the rest of the, the days that I know of. That, that's no forgiveness at all. In fact, the Bible talks about this a little bit further. So we're to be tenderhearted. We're to be forgiving one another. Well, how are we to be forgiving? You know, if it says, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, then how did God forgive? How did Christ forgive? Well, I'm glad the Bible tells us that. Let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. And again, a very familiar story. Uh, we all are familiar with it, but we don't always link this to our forgiveness. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, and uh, let's look in verse number 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Peter, you can almost hear the, the pride in his voice. Till seven times, Lord? Uh, the, the general rule of thumb for the day in the time that he lived was that you forgave somebody three times. That was, their society. That was the, the practice of their society, their culture. You forgive them three times, and you've done enough. Then after that, you don't have to forgive them anymore. Peter really thought he was going above and beyond. Lord, I, I'll forgive seven. Is seven, is that how I should forgive? And notice that the Lord Jesus Christ says this. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. In other words, it was so far above what Peter's number was, Christ was saying, Peter, you just always forgive. You'll lose track of how many times you've forgiven, and you still forgive. And the interesting thing to me is when Peter says this in verse number 21, when he says, when he asks the question, he says, how oft, how oft shall my brother, not brothers, plural, but one, 
How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? This is the same guy doing over and over and over again wrong to Peter. And Peter says, Lord, how often do I have to forgive him? You know, I've heard people say, well, you know what, I, I believe in forgiving everybody. But, you know, uh, somebody does this one time, I'll forgive them another time, I'll forgive them another time. But there comes a point where you've got to quit forgiving them. No, the truth is we have to forgive them every time, don't we? It's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. The truth is, I fail God every day. And every day, I have to have His forgiveness. And every day, I have to have His mercy. And if His mercy was not as great as our God's mercy is, the truth is, you and I would be consumed. The Bible says every day. The mercy of God, the, the forgiving hand of God in our lives. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 15. I'm sorry, chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, we're not going to make it through this lesson. I'm going to give you some things, and we're probably going to pick up here again next week. But Hebrews chapter number 12, and let's look in verse number 15. The writer of Hebrews says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. How would we fail of the grace of God? Is it God's grace that's failing? Or us to fail in the grace that God has given to us. It speaks here, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. If we begin to not show the grace to others that God has shown to us, the Bible speaks of the fact that we are in prime position for a root of bitterness to spring up in us. Brother Tom, this morning, uh, before the service was talking about um, planting some things out by the back of his fence there. And I was listening to him as he said, you know, I've, over the years I've put stuff in there, uh, leaves, and I've burned leaves in there, and I've let it mulch down. I've put uh, manure in there and things to enrich it in the soil. And he, he was talking about some plants, I guess, that Brother Wayne had uh, given to him, and he planted them. He said, boy, they're going great guns, and the soil is so fertile there. It's just able to, to grow. Now, I tell you this, that when we do not express the grace of God that God has given to us through forgiveness, we are ripe for a root of bitterness. We are fertile ground. To get to the place where we may outwardly forgive and tell people and express with our mouths, we forgive you. But on the inside, we are seething. There's a root that starts there, a bitterness that starts there. And um, you can be around that person and smile outwardly. But on the inside, you're sitting there grinding your teeth, metaphorically speaking. You're sitting there just seething at, at the bitterness you have toward that person. Can I tell you, that's no kind of forgiveness at all. As we come back to Genesis chapter number 50, we find several things about Joseph's forgiveness. He's in a place now where, to be honest with you, if he, if he had chosen not to forgive his brothers, there was nobody left to condemn him for that. Pharaoh certainly was not going to condemn him. He had put him in a place of authority. And if that's what Joseph had decided to do, Pharaoh would have backed Joseph on that. His father wasn't around to say, Joseph, now they're your brothers. You ought to, you ought to treat them with kindness. Joseph had no obligation 
to forgive here other than he knew that it was the right thing to do. He comes down, and I want you to notice a couple things. First of all, he had a proper attitude toward God. He had a proper attitude toward God. Look with me in verse number 19. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? You know, if Joseph had not had a proper view of God, it would have been very easy for him to not forgive his brethren. But there were some things that Joseph understood about God. He understood that God is a just God. And it wasn't, jo- it wasn't Joseph's position to punish or to wreak justice upon his brethren. In fact, the Bible kind of tells us that, doesn't it? That God, God will take care of his own punishment. He'll take care of his own justice. Remember that? The Bible speaks of this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God will take care of those things. My dad used to put it this way. He used to say, Greg, God keeps good records. You don't have to. That's up, that's up to God to do. Had he not had a proper view of a ju- the justness of God and his perfect justice, it had been hard for him to forgive his brethren. He also saw God as a sovereign God. Look with me in verse number 20. He says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people. He realized that the events that had transpired to put him in the position he was in were all dictated by God, and all of that was put into place just for that time. In fact, in the book of, uh, book of um, Esther, the, the, the statement is made this way, for such a time as this. We don't always understand God's ways. We don't understand a lot of things about our lives sometimes. But God is a sovereign God. And God does know, and God is in control. And and Joseph had a proper view of that. And then he noticed that God was good. God was good. He's good all the time. He, He never lost sight of that. One of those things that Joseph had great grace in, and going through the, the, the trials of being in slavery, going through the trials of being in prison, being falsely accused, being forgotten by the, uh, the uh, butler. These, these folks did him wrong, and yet he never lost sight of the fact that God is good. Again, a great principle of Scripture that's illustrated through the attitude of Joseph in forgiveness of his brethren. And that is the principle found in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. doesn't mean everything's going to be good, but the end result will, because it's what God has has. Uh, dictated to, and God is always good. I heard a fellow years ago who had uh, been struck with uh, spinal meningitis, had been uh, brought down to a place of having to relearn how to eat and how to walk and how to talk again, and uh, yet he would still preach, and uh, he had a lot of pain that he lived in all the time. And he would go around, and almost every time I ever heard this fellow preach or ever saw him, he would always talk about how good God was and how right God always is. God is always good, and God is always right. He had a proper attitude toward his brethren. We find here in the passage that he wept for his brethren, didn't he? He had a proper attitude for them. Rather than having an idea of, I'll make them pay, uh, 
He said, I'm going to forgive. Have you ever thought about this? If you make somebody pay for something, no forgiveness is needed because they've paid for it. Forgiveness is a grace. It's something that is unmerited. It's something that we give freely. We should not keep score. Joseph wasn't sitting there saying, well, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this, so I've gotten you this way. You've got three more to go through yet. There was no score being kept. I, I get tired sometimes of hearing people say, uh, well, they did this to me, and they did, you don't understand, Pastor, they did this, and they did this, and all you're doing is marking a scorecard. Can I tell you this? I'm so glad. When I got saved, the Bible says that my sins were departed as far as the east is from the west. I'm thankful that my God, when it comes to my salvation, remembers my sin no more. He doesn't have a scorecard in heaven where he says, Okay, Greg, I'll save you this much, but you still owe me for all of these sins here, these, these other ones. I'm thankful he forgave them all. There was no score being kept. There was, after the Civil War years ago, a lady uh, was visited in Kentucky by Robert E. Lee. He came to her house. And she went out and took him out into her front yard. She had an old old tree there, big, elegant tree. had been planted years before, and it was the pride of her life. And she went out and showed him how the Union soldiers had destroyed that tree and had marred it and made it all. It was terrible. The branches were ripped off of it and had scars all in the tree. And she was looking for Robert E. Lee to give some sympathy and to condemn the Union soldiers for what they did. And he looked at her, he looked at the tree, and he looked at the lady, and he said, Ma'am, cut it down and forget it. Been easy for Robert E. Lee to say, Yeah, boy, those Union soldiers, they're terrible. They, they've done so much bad about this stuff. He said, Ma'am, just cut it down and forget it. Can I tell you this? There are times that people do us wrong that sometimes we just need to cut it down and forget it. Don't let it stand there as a reminder. Don't bring all your friends to it and say, boy, look how badly I was injured. You just cut it down and forget it. We'll pick up there next week on this topic of forgiveness. I believe this is one of the graces of the Christian life that we are so ill-prepared to handle. But yet, if we will follow the principles of God's Word, and we're going to look at some things the Bible has to say about what we are to do as far as forgiveness next week, one of the great graces we can ever practice in our lives is the practice of forgiveness. And I want to encourage you in that. We'll pick up there next week. Let's go ahead and pray and be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Bless the service to come. And Lord, I pray that You would allow us to have Your Holy Spirit at work in our lives and that you will guide and direct in the preaching, the teaching of your word. Father, we ask that you would help us to have a proper view of all the forgiveness that you've given to us. That we would learn to be forgiving. I pray that you would uh, guide and direct as we study a little further next week on it. Bless the time that we spend here together uh, this morning. May you encourage our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. Dismissed. We'll be back in about, uh, looks like about 10 minutes.